Welcome back to Troubleshooting Agile. Hi there, Jeffrey. Hi, Squirrel. So you sent me an article, and it was fascinating. Why don't you tell our listeners about it? Okay. So this came, something came across on Hacker News. Uh, there was an article on understanding Jane Street. And for people who don't never heard of Jane Street, they're what's called a, uh, a market maker, uh, which means they were are happy to buy and sell any stock at any time. Uh, just they'll they can set a price for it. So they, they quote unquote, provide liquidity to the market. Which means they trade all the time. They're just That's always right. uh, sending trades every single second of the day. They're sending zillions of trades. Yep. That's right. And this is not something in the past I probably would have been that interested in, but after spending 10 years in London at a company that uh, created signals that people would use for automated trading, I, I came to be a little bit more interested in the area. But that's that's not why I wanted to talk about it. <laughs> so what was interesting? What, what what could our listeners who were in something completely different learn from this? Uh, the, what really stuck with me was was this line in it. And it was in the, 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 the short version is it has this phrase about companies that are forced to excel. And so here's the, the context, the quote in context. So the reason that Jane Street spends so much money on finding and hiring the right people is that every company reaches the point where do something strategic is an itch that's worth scratching. But in prop trading, there are very few legitimate ways to scratch it. So companies are forced to excel. And, and that's really what stood out to me is that the kind of environments where excellence in what you're doing technically in, in your coding and software development practices are such a great environment. And I was thinking about those elements that make it such a, a rich learning environment and what that means you know, for us, for, for people who aren't necessarily in those environments. So that's what I thought was worth talking about. Fantastic. Well, I've certainly been in environments with fast and slow um, uh, uh, ability to, to, to respond. So uh, how do you look at this? How, how did you uh, uh, compare this to, to other situations that our listeners might be in? Because we, we probably don't have that many listeners who are high-frequency traders. <laughs> That's true. That's true. The, um, the, the first thing that stood out to me is the, that these companies, like they're, they're, the money they make is a function of the software they write very, very directly. Um, and so they're, they're working on a hypothesis of how they're going to make money. And, you know, they, if it doesn't work, if they're not able to implement it correctly, if their software is in high quality, then, then they lose money. And, and there's two things about that. First of all, is that fact that they are looking to make profit. And that's one of the big divides across my career as I've worked with lots of companies, talked to people, at lots of different companies is this divide between profit center versus cost center. Oh, anathema to me, man, my, um, my back bristles go up when I hear cost center for that's right. to and, technology. And so, and, and a lot of people, like, it's like one of the tests I used to say to people is like, if, if your organization calls you IT, it means they probably look at you as a cost center. <laughs> and now, now, wait a minute. Some, some of our listeners might not know these terms because I, I'm always reminded that, the, that, that these financial terms make sense to some of our listeners and not others. So, so should I say, explain what these are or do you want to? Yeah, yeah, please do. So a profit center is a part of your business where um, you expect to get more out of it than you put in. So um, in a, a typical business, um, uh, sales would be a profit center because um, you shouldn't be paying your salespeople more than they sell. If you do that, you're doing something very, very uh, <laughs> <That's right>. incorrect. <laughs> um, where, uh, whereas, say, your uh, rent or, or your office, the provision of the, 
the mechan the physical environment for your employees in very in, in, with very few exceptions is a cost center because um, you, you wouldn't expect to get more out of it. You probably don't expect to get anything out of it. You're just going to throw money at this thing. And if you could somehow make your employees um, all work at home, gee, some people seem to have done that recently, then you would eliminate <laughs> that cost and you'd be really happy. So um, whereas if you eliminated your sales, you would eliminate your business. There'd be no, there'd be no profit. <laughs> That's right. That's a that's a great summary, and it, and it really explains why, for example, you had a lot of companies uh, uh, who were very excited about uh, outsourcing their IT operations because they looked as a cost center, and it's sort of like, well, this is a cost of doing business, and if we can make that cost lower, that's better. Um, and and if the quality suffers, maybe it doesn't matter so much as long as as long as it's adequate and you get the job done, that's all that matters. So so cost center is really defined by can we do an adequate job for the lowest possible price? That there's little value in doing a better job because, you know, in a sense, so what? Whereas profit centers is the, are the opposite. You, 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 if you do a better job, that you're making more money. And so that's a very different mindset. The, the, if I think about prop trading, I think the very most opposite case I've ever dealt with was dealing with the IT departments at insurance companies. And this is going back you know, 15, uh, 20 years. That's 15 or 20 minutes for me. Keep going. Yeah. I know this <laughs> intimately. So painful. So I would visit these traditional insurance companies and the problem was they were so fundamentally profitable in their core business that, it, that what they did in software in effect really didn't matter all that much. And so there was very little uh, incentive for them to improve. The mindset was just like, well, we just, it just needs to be adequate. They weren't really competing on their technical capability. Now, of, of, of course, there've been a lot of changes in a lot of industries, things that, you know, this is part of the software is eating the world. Uh, more and more companies are, be, have to be actually competing on their ability to uh, actually deliver software with quality. And it's one of the big drivers between be, behind things like the uh, uh, DevOps enterprise summit. Uh, that IT revolution runs is uh, uh, talking to these enterprise companies where traditionally uh, IT was a cost center and they need to really change to become a profit center. Very different mode of operating. And it's my purpose in life. I mean, I make IT teams, technology teams, insanely profitable. And if I'm going to do that, they better be a profit center first. And that's usually the mindset <laughs> shift that I have to help somebody go through uh, to, to shift their thinking from I'm throwing money at this to I can get more out of it than I put in. And it's a huge shift. So if yeah. you don't have that, and I bet a lot of our listeners recognize this and say, that sounds like my company, um, we'll have more to say about what you can do about it. But um, it's very useful to know where you sit on this axis. That, that's right. And so there's a second one, which is about slow feedback versus fast feedback. One of the things about high frequency traders and prop firms of this type is that when they uh, are, are going to go and uh, uh, test a theory in the market, they're, they're going to get feedback very quickly. They're going to they're be able to put something out and start making trades. And it's either going to start be performing according to their models or it's not. And that fast feedback is another you know, really key element for learning. And I think uh, in terms of rate of learning, it's probably more important than the profit center versus cost center. Uh, and it's also more accessible to people. I think you have some really great examples, though, of, of the opposite of places that have, you know, slow feedback and, and kind of limited ability to, to, to change that. Well, and I can give you an example, not from my direct experience, but from a, a very clever person of the, the kind of extremes to which somebody like Jane Street goes. So let me give both. 
um, so at, at the kind of um, positive, fast, um, extremely speedy end, um, you've got a concept that Dan North uh, talked a lot about. We'll put a link in the show notes um, called Spike and Stabilize, which he observed when he went from, I think it was Google, I'm not sure, um, to uh, a, a prop trading firm. Um, it wasn't Green Street, it was a different one. Yeah, that's right. And, and, and he, he said he, he watched the engineers as they worked. And um, he had been, of course, an, an agile advocate and was um, uh, suggesting people do things like unit tests. And he noticed that they, they were playing with millions and millions of dollars and didn't have any tests at all and would actually put something live with some, a, a, what's called a stop loss, something that would um, stop the, the um, uh, automated trading bot from um, losing more than a certain amount. And they'd set it at some eye-watering number for you and me, like a million dollars. And they'd run it, and they'd uh, come back half an hour later, and they'd say, oh, yeah, actually, uh, there was a bug. <laughs> it lost the whole million dollars. <laughs> well, I'm glad I found that out in half an hour. Let's fix the bug and try it again. And his jaw was on the floor. He's falling out of his chair. He's saying, my God, why didn't you just write a unit test? But um, as he started to understand it better, he saw that um, the million dollars for these folks with a lot of money um, was, was a small price to pay for um, getting really, really immediate, really speedy feedback. And so the method that they were using, he christened Spike and Stabilize because they would not write any tests at all, not even check the thing worked, put it live, see if it made money. And if it made money, then they would stabilize it and say, oh, I understand. There was actually a bug in here, but it was making us more money. Let's let's, let's uh, put a test for that bug. <laughs> so uh, it's kind of extreme um, uh, test in production philosophy, uh, which you can get if you get extremely fast feedback. And if you're trading like a Jane Street um, thousands of times a second, then um, it doesn't take you very long to get uh, a real read on whether what you're doing works. However, as, as you were saying, I have a, an opposite uh, experience. Um, I, I have a sideline in um, biotech firms. So um, uh, there are various companies that have me help them um, with their technology, which also includes things like wet labs and so on. I'm, I'm no expert in these things, but um, it turns out that a lot of the tools that I use make just as much sense for these folks as for engineers. And there are plenty of software engineers in these companies, too. Um, and uh, I remember one of them, many of them have this characteristic, but one was really prominent um, because they said, well, you know, we, we'd really do have to wait for the, the, the next um, generation, the next um, uh, iteration of, of what we're doing. And, and I said, well, gosh, can't you speed that up in any way? You know, may, maybe you could run it in parallel. Uh, and they said, squirrel, you can't have two mice have a baby uh, uh, in three <laughs> weeks when it takes one mice six weeks to have a baby. And they were waiting for the next generation of mice. That, that there's a gestation <laughs> period. I don't remember what it is. So this is an old joke about women and pregnancy and, and nine months. Here they had it for rea reality, not a joke um, with mice and a slightly shorter gestation period. So there are situations in which there are laws of nature and, and biology um, that force you to have quite a slow response time. You, you cannot have feedback instantly because you have to wait for something in the environment. And that's the opposite of where Jane Street is, of course. Yeah. So I think if we, we kind of said like, there's these two axes we can, we can, could chart companies on. And if we had sort of slow to fast feedback on one axis and cost center to profit center <clears throat> on the other axis, then the prediction I would have is that companies in the upper right that are fast feedback environments or profit centers would tend to have more learning and they would tend to have above average performance of their technical teams. And the, the consequence of that is, is I think, uh, uh, twofold. One is we can learn from those people, right? It's worth understanding what people are doing in those environments. 
because you know there's something that, that they're going to have a, a lot of opportunity to learn and so what they're doing is is going to be of interest uh, to people uh, you know who are in other environments that you know they're going to have more exposure more iteration more reps and it's worth learning from so that's that's one thing but i think the other thing that comes about it is to look where you are and say how can we be better by changing our environment can we get a, a shorter feedback cycle and can we uh, uh, improve uh, our 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 visibility of our profitability can we measure the impact of our on our profitability for development work now you mentioned squirrel earlier that this is often getting people to change their mindset uh, and think in terms of roi can you can you talk about like how you what would be your first step for approaching that with people uh, well, certainly it's to, to try to measure where they are on these axes uh, and, and other measures as well. Uh, try to get an understanding of where they are and then work out what kinds of steps, what kinds of conversations could lead them to change that mindset. So, for example, if you have somebody who um, ha gives you a limited IT budget and you look at that as immovable, then, yeah, you're not going to be able to change from a cost center to a profit center because, of course, in a profit center, you spend more and you make more. So that's the philosophy isn't limited budget. It's how much can we spend in, in an efficient way. Um, and, and if that's not the mindset, then, yes, you have a, a classic situation where you're, you're a cost center. Um, but if you view that as immovable, then why am I there? Right. So um, <laughs> I'm not going to view that as immovable. Uh, my philosophy is that that, that is a, a mindset that can change and it's going to require a conversation couched in the language of money. So if I go to someone who, and of course it helps that I'm coming from the outside, but you can do this internally as well. If you go to someone who has previously been immovable and say, I'd, I'd like you just to join me on the profit center side for a moment. I think there might be more profit that we can make here. Uh, here, here's what that would look like, and here's what their return would be. Uh, I often find that that makes a, a huge difference in the conversation with that person. For instance, that person might say, the board of directors won't let me do anything about that. And then you say, how could we go to the board of directors? Yeah. And exactly the same thing happens when I talk to, usually now it's the development teams, now it's more a technical barrier, when they say, oh yeah, we couldn't possibly get fast feedback. Now, the folks with the mouse model, okay, fine, I, I recognize we're <laughs> not going to speed up the mice. But what I do say is, what would it mean for us? What If we really had to, how would we get faster feedback? And even in my biotech cases, they'll say things like, well, if we did that, we'd have to go around compliance. Compliance would have to change their process. And I say, great, where do they sit? Or they say, uh, we'd have to invest in more servers. We'd have to have an additional staging area. We'd have to automate a lot of our testing. And I say, great, who's in charge of the server budget? Uh, who's in charge of QA? So um, what, what you often get with these mindset conversations is somebody saying, uh, well, if you can get them to the point where they say, uh, if I were to do that, then this would have to change. You want to listen to the second half of that very carefully and then say, great, how do we do that? That usually blows their minds because they have thought that that's not possible. And I find that often it's much more possible than they think it is. That's fantastic. I, the other thing that comes to mind for me about this is, is people might say, well, look, we're doing this work and we're, it's supposed to have an impact on you know future sales and um, it's going to have an impact on renewal rates or something like that. So we won't know the impact on profitability until you know the renewal cycle comes up and and my view is like well actually you have a model <laughs> right it, it's a and as a product development organization you have a model saying we think when people use this new feature it will give them value and that value will 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 be uh, recognized by us on the renewal rate so you can 
use that sort of proc that usage as a proxy metric and say, you know, if we see this usage of this, this functionality go up, then we predict it'll be, uh, have this feature impact. So you can start using as a pro as a proxy metric to, to get faster feedback on your impact on profitability. Uh, and it's, and it really changes the mindset. And I remember a good example we had at, at, at Tim, we had a new UI, uh, and one of our product managers would be looking at the usage and when people weren't using it, he would pick up a phone and call them and say, you know, I, I saw you use the new, the new uh, feature. And then you went back to using the old version. Why is that? And some of them thought we had installed cameras. It was it was really quite <laughs> quite frightening for some of them. He had to reassure them. No, no, no. I'm just looking at our server logs. This was when software as a service was a bit newer, so that people didn't always understand it wasn't on their own computer, and um, they accused us of spying on them. But once they understood <laughs> what we were doing, they found the feedback very helpful, and of course we found it utterly um, insightful and very valuable for increasing profit quickly. And we didn't have to wait for them to renew next year. That's right, and so 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 these are things the kind of things that people can do to uh, to change the mindset. And uh, you know, certainly, I would say recommend people listen to our uh, past episode from last week. We talked about having sort of a more business mindset in talking about things in terms of ROI. Um, and, and so, there's another example of how you can talk in sort of business terms. So, I, I would love to hear you know how this is for our listeners. Do do they find themselves in a, a, a profit center or a cost center? Uh, a fast feedback or a slow feedback, and what have they done to try to improve their their situation in that sort of learning matrix? That sounds fantastic. So, if listeners want to respond to that or disagree with us and tell us we've missed a, an axis or or a way of thinking about it, we like disagreement, questions, all of those things. And you can find us at agileconversations.com. Uh, there you'll find uh, free videos from us, um, our Twitter handles, our email addresses. Uh, if you look hard enough, you can find my home address. Come visit me. Uh, you know, <laughs> you can do all kinds of things to, to give us feedback, and we'd sure like to have it. And, of course, the other thing you can do is come back next Wednesday when we'll be back again with another episode of Troubleshooting Agile. And we'd love to see you then. Thanks, Jeffrey. Thanks, Grow.